It's episode 1047, and it's a relevant podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me, as always, from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, our managing editor, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. And that's it. For the first time in my 17 years of doing this podcast, we're doing three people instead of uh, our usual four, because Derek is on a tour doing a preview of his new album. If you've been following him on social media, that's, you know, he's ramping up to the big release of his new album. His, his biggest project yet. It's very exciting. Uh, Jamie, I don't know what her deal is. She's so busy. She's always yeah. traveling, always speaking, always doing amazing things. So neither of them can be with us today. Uh, and so it's just, we're rolling, we're rolling as a trio this week. That's right. You know, and and I'll be honest, you guys know, and I'm very appreciative, and, and Jason uh, particularly, uh, for for helping to reschedule. Um, you guys have been very flexible because I've been I've been doing a little traveling too. I feel like this is just very busy. I feel like after the holidays, things take about a month and a half off. Things just slow down, you know. But spring is about to sprung, and we're all you know. <laughs> spring busy. is about to sprung. Wow. Yeah, it's we're we're on the the precipice of spring. Of a change of seasons. <laughs> anyway, you, you haven't, haven't been to Florida because we've been floating in the pool for about four weeks now. It's been like eighty-eight. Where, so. where I just was was negative. Was oh. it was literally negative? I was traveling with somebody who has a mustache, and it froze at one point. He walked out the door, and the mustache froze <laughs> on his face. Okay, this um, week how do you was weird because the mustache still frozen. <laughs> <laughs> does it does it like break off like? Do, do the hairs like break like like <laughs> they an just icicle? become no they just become long spikes you know icicle spikes <laughs> but you know the 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 thing is like it was a lot of ubering you know mm-hmm. and i i feel like we should just have pre-established uber etiquette policies because i feel like it's a okay have you guys ever been picked up in an uber with a pickup truck what Oh, a pickup yeah. truck. That's a but new to be one. Fair, <laughs> I was in a part of the country where basically everyone had pickup trucks. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just tell people it was a, it was a the the upper the upper northwest corner of Montana, like really close to can, Canada, like right, Bo- like Bozeman area or north, north northern, of that. yeah, north, north yeah, of yeah. that. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking as far north as you can get wow. in this country. And are you an extra on the new season of Yellowstone? Did you save? Did you get Kevin <laughs> Costner to finally? Get on set and shoot the next season. I'm doing I'm doing uh, Yellowstone uh, 2005, where Ooh. everyone dresses <laughs> like they are into like Blink 182, and uh, you know I'm an enterprising like uh, BuzzFeed writer in the early aughts, covering the land disputes in in Yellowstone. <laughs> no, um, is that basically what they're doing now? Is just picking random years and be like, what can we do this year? You know, like I feel like it does kind of seem like that because they have like the one in the 1800s. So they have one in the 1920s. They have like a contemporary one. I want to see the early aughts one. I want to (laughs) see the one. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like where it it, it was. It's not that far. It was only like, you know, 20 years ago ish. That was that'd be a really fun era of Yellowstone, in my opinion. You know, the fashion it would be. It would sort of be like 
the OC or like Gilmore Girls or like those where everyone's like a good looking 20 something that gets in lots of family drama that plays on the CW, but it just happens to take place, you know, Do- on on some you know, ranch somewhere. Okay. Think about it. The, the happy days was shot in the seventies based in the fifties. That's 20 years. Yep. That 70s shows was in the nineties and set in the seventies That's 20 years. So we are due for a nostalgic early two thousands era TV show. I know. I know. And, and think about that era. I feel like it's ripe for parody, you know? Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that era is distinct enough. Cause think about the fifties you had, the the Fonzie culture in the seventies you had the hippie culture you know there's nothing distinct about the early two thousands just you had some baggy pants you you, you listen to some I don't know, music from what I remember there was a a, a tremendous amount of angst um, you know there was I would it, it I was, would say the kids today would beg to differ that there was yeah, any but, angst but in the this, early two thousands I would say this it was a different mode of angst it was a lot of like. It was like the the glory days of like emo, you know what I mean? Where it was a lot of like swooping hair, very, you know, uh, uh, hard on your sleeve kind of, uh, uh, you know, music scene. And it was the last, see, I I think it would be interesting too. And and I do think it was distinct because it was the last fleeting moments before the internet really and social media and iPhones took over our life. I remember the first iPhone, Cameron, that you got and you were the first one I knew that had it. Mm -hmm. And just it was like as soon as we as soon as we looked at it, it was like this thing is is, going to change the world. Uh Like this is going to change the way like the pre iPhone. I was was in line day one. Yeah. Yeah, the, the pre-iPhone early aughts, I do feel like that's what makes it distinctive. It was it was right before kind of phones changed our world, you know? Interesting. Um, but either way, traveling, I'm not in a future season of Yellowstone, <laughs> though. I'm pitching Yellowstone 2002. Um, uh, it's going to be me and Chad Michael Murray. It's going to be all stars. It was going to be all people who are popular in 2002. But they play their parents now. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, exactly. Like um, Dashboard Confessional is going to do the theme song. Um, it's, it's. I mean, you guys are you're not going to believe it. James you know, Vanderbeek's uh, finally going to make a comeback yep, doing something. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Van Beeker Nizans, Van Beeker the Beaker Sons. We've been waiting. So is he patiently. I'm going to get Pacey. <laughs> Joshua He's Jackson's going to be there. Pitching 2000 era shows. Just yeah. to see when we're finally going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, uh, uh, you know, Jennifer Gardner from like alias era, Jennifer mm. Gardner. It's, I mean, people are not going to believe this, this Yellowstone that I'm, <laughs> that I'm pitching. It's, um, the kid, most of the cast from the OC, that kid Brody, what is his name? Adrian, Adam Brody. I yeah. don't know. Who cares? Yeah. You guys know who I'm talking about. You, I, I, Jack I heard Bauer. You, you, I heard you got four of the party of five, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The fifth um, one was a holdout, but yeah. Sarah Michelle Geller, yeah. she's been doing some stuff recently. I think she'd be great. And Fred and Freddie Perez Jr. I Did mean, you I'm see? telling you, she posted a picture of, of Sarah Michelle Geller posted a picture of Pedro Pascal being on Buffy in 99. Yes. It was her yeah. and Pedro. And like, I, I it was like such a time warp and like, Hey, mm-hmm. like he was nobody then. And now he's somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. This was like, this was, and what's great is like, we don't dress like traditional ranchers. We dress like in those denim suits that Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears wore to like the MTV Awards. It's a lot of denim still. It's a lot of denim, but it's just a different, you know, <laughs> it's a different vibe than the Sheridan verse has right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yellowstone 2000. Yellowstone 2001. Yeah. Um, you can check out. I, I got a big MySpace campaign going, trying to you know get some attention in Hollywood. I don't know why campaign. no one's paying. <laughs> not a Kickstarter campaign. You're uh, not trying to raise money for it. You're just trying no, to get no, no. MySpace. It's an awareness. We got to get back to our yeah. roots. Yeah. 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 I sent I sent all the Hollywood executives like free razor phones emblazoned <laughs> with Yellowstone 2001, and it's like in a cool like neon font. I I don't know why my phone hasn't been ringing. Um, I sent, like I said, like 15 razor burners out to publicists preloaded with my number and it's not working guys. Anyway, um, I was traveling and not doing Yellowstone. And you Ubered in a pickup truck is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Uber in a pickup truck. Where would you think you put the bag? Okay. In the truck the, the, bed. I'm, like your, your suitcase? Yes. Yeah, like, you put it in the bed it, of the truck. Truck bed. No question. This guy insisted backseat. Okay. He was like, no, 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 don't go in the truck bed. Like, well, where the truck are you bed, sitting? He acted... Where are you sitting? I, well, he had a sign. Okay, this is what I appreciate because he had a sign that said, "Well, it was it was a pickup truck with a back seat." Okay, right, right. like it wasn't just the front. It, I feel like you remember the old bench seat pickup mm-hmm. trucks where there's no armrest, and if they take a turn too hot, you're sliding right into yeah. the driver. <laughs> yeah. It was not one of those. Okay, which that would be an interesting Uber. No, it was like an F one fifty with the back seat. Four doors okay. or two? Four. Okay. Okay. And I'm the only passenger. It's not like it's not a, it's not sharing. But again, my impulse is to go back to the truck. He acted like as soon as I pulled that tailgate down, he's got one of those covers on that there was something back there that I shouldn't see. You know what I mean? Like whoa, 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 whoa! No, no, no! Bags, bags go in the back seat here. But he did have a sign on the passenger side window that said, "No passengers up front must sit in back." You only put that in there. You only put that sign up for one reason. He's had a lot of people just mosey onto the front seat oh, yeah. and get a little too cozy here. Yeah. But all I have to say is like there I feel like there needs to be some established standards for Uber etiquette too. I feel like there also is there a way that is there like a hand signal or maybe like a light that you can select in the Uber that says, I don't want to talk or I'm I'm chatty today and the driver can light it up or the passenger just to avoid the awkwardness. I, you know what I mean? I okay I don't Uber very much when I travel um I'm yeah, if I'm going to New York, I'll just grab cabs. If I'm going anywhere else, yeah. I'll just rent a car. But uh, I, I, I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, that there is a preference in the app for no one looks. Chat. No one looks. No one looks. Okay, I thought you could say like a preference. I thought you could select I think a preference for a while about chatty or not. There was something during like the height of the COVID era where it. I think there was something to say like. I think it was something about like, how do you, how comfortable do you feel with like basically social distance? Cause it's like, you're in a car with a stranger. So like you kind of have to establish, I guess some rules. I don't know if there's anything about talking though. I feel like I, people know, I th- want I that. I think there was a, I think there was a, like, how much do you want to chat or not? I do. And it comes up on their screen I mean, when they well choose then, to pick you up or not. I think it's, I think it's totally Well then ignored. it's like gotta be like fine print. Cause I've taken Ubers before and I've never seen it. And I always just kind of go with like the vibe of the driver because I want to have a good Uber score. Um, I My preference would probably be like, we just sit in silence and we don't really talk. But the last few Ubers I've, Ubers I've taken, I've noticed it's like a generational thing. If they're older, mm. they want to hear my whole life story. Yep. If they're yep. my age, they're playing Trap Queen. Like, and, and I'm fine with it. Like, we just sit and listen to their music. But like, I was in an Uber uh, a couple weeks ago and the guy was like truly just asking so many questions he was telling me his basically testimony he was a part-time pastor so i was like okay i get Mm. the vibe here um 
And I just try to go with it, but it is, it is awkward because it's By like, the way, all pastors should be part-time pastors, but continue. <laughs> go ahead. This is a different conversation. Well, all Christians should be part-time pastors. Am I right? There you Aren't go. We? The priesthood go. of believers. Anyway, there you go. Go. <laughs> go ahead. Go, go ahead, Emily. Um, but I will, yeah. I If there is a thing where you can select the talking, they need to make it like bigger print because I would absolutely be pressing like, I don't want to talk right now. Especially like the one that I was talking about with the pastor, I had had like a layover. And so I'd been traveling for like five hours. I was so tired. It was like 11 o'clock at night. Honestly, it probably actually was good that he talked to me because I might've just fallen asleep in the car. But I, yeah, they need to, they need to do a little better about my preferences in my Uber. If I were an Uber driver, I would have, so I would rig up some sort of device that, and I would have different, I would have different topics and it would say like, do you want to talk about geopolitics? Would you like to talk about the NBA? Would you like to talk about the upcoming NBA draft? How about just the weather? You know, di- local dining and cuisine. And I would let them select. And then I would I would facilitate the conversation based on their conversational preferences. I feel like if you're going to talk with a stranger, let's cut let's cut through the small talk. Let's jump right to something interesting here. You it know, is interesting. it's just like rolling around and letting them select. You know, what do you guys think of the last episode of Last of Us? Bing, bing, bing. All right. OK, here we go. So here's my take on what this zombie fungus is. I, I'm just saying, I think people would appreciate I think if I were to pitch that to Uber, you know, who's saying no? What who's do you think no? about my idea for a 2002 uh, Yellowstone adaptation? <laughs> Just wait. Let me tell you about the denim situation, okay? Because I think you're thinking Costner denim. It's not practical not denim. denim. No, no. Yeah. It's not practical denim. It's decorative it's denim. It's like evening. And you start, yeah. you go like the long way to tell them your whole pitch so that way you can really get it out. Yeah. yeah. Passenger, I want you to close your eyes. The year is 2001. Picture this. Wait, no, that's the cool pastor breeze. guy. The pastor guy is the one who says, I want you to close your eyes. A cool breeze blows over the You actually have an iPad with like planes. a trailer on it yeah. that they can watch. As the new Fallout Boy song plays in the distance, you have like some popcorn for the them as they're like you like set this whole movie up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Unlike Jesse's show, we have a great show for you today. Um, <laughs> uh, coming up later, we talked to Wood Harris. Yes, Avon Barksdale is on the relevant podcast today. He is in the brand new movie releasing today, Creed 3. He's starring in it uh, with Michael B. Jordan and others. Uh, Very excited about that. Don't miss that segment. At the end of the show, we have your feedback. It is uh, you sent in clips of your favorite infomercials. So you don't want to miss that either. But right now, stay tuned. Up next, it's Relevant Buzz. You're listening to Churches. The song is over. Churches aren't over. The song is over. Well, the song's not over. We're fading it out, but anyway, who's on first? Okay, it's time for Relevant Buzz. All right, Emily, tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. 
Uh, I think a great place to start would be Asbury. Um, you know, they've been in the news recently about the revival that has been happening, um, but they the have actually... Out, the outpouring. Outpouring. I'm sorry. Yeah, They're outpouring. very careful. They changed the word. Yes. Um, it's not a revival. The, the Asbury outpouring. Uh, the weekend before, they had announced that they would be closing things down. Um, when I spoke with them, they were just talking about, um, you know, they were obviously very grateful for everything that had happened um, and they were excited to see how the Lord was moving. But they also realized logistically that um, the outpouring could not stay on their campus. Um, and they were very encouraging that um, the outpouring should spread to other places. And um, I remember even talking with someone and you know, just the way they put it was like, you know, Asbury is not meant to hold this. It's supposed to go out and supposed to spread. Um, and so they had their final service on Friday, uh, last Friday, um, and they wrap things up. And then over the weekend in Lexington, um, I know there was uh, a public event uh, where I think just a couple thousand people came. Um, but then what's been really interesting this week is there's been universities all over the country that they have shared that um, really because of what they've seen at Asbury, things have started stirring up on their campus. And there's been outpourings uh, on uh, campuses really just all throughout the U.S. So um, Texas A&M University at Galveston, Baylor University, right. Louisiana State University, they've all um, had just Lee. students and faculty sharing. Lee University. Samford. I think. And then um, Cedarville, I think, was another one. There's been Cedarville. Yeah, I think there's probably about half a dozen, maybe even more at this point um, that of um, students and faculty have just shared on social media videos or images of students coming together, worshiping, praying over one another. Um, I think it was at Texas A&M, there was a student who shared that they prayed over someone who like had difficulty walking and now that they can walk again and like just truly like miraculous things have been happening. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, there's if you just kind of like look around on social media, you'll see it's really all over the country in these colleges, just the really powerful things are happening. What's interesting is, I think I've mentioned this last week too, when they announced the, we've been covering this. So if you haven't stayed on top of what's going on, relevantmagazine.com, we're on top of it every day. But uh, I think we mentioned this on last week's podcast, but like, you know, growing up in like the charismatic church and, and a lot of these revivals and outpourings I've had front row seats to, it's interesting because like in that stream of the church, that is the goal is like an outpouring like this. And so when the Holy Spirit moves and, and there's, there's a special moment and, and there's a special movement happening, it's like the goal is to keep it going as long as possible, honestly. I don't think it's ever a stated goal, but everything is, everything is kind of built around how long can we facilitate this. And so for Asbury to just really shut it down after two weeks, I've never seen that before, you know, like ever. Were there reasons like essentially practical reasons, crowd kind yeah, of control yeah. and expense and things yeah. like that? So, well, yeah. Um, the town is, I think it's like maybe 6,000 people total that live in the town. Yeah. Um, and they estimated that around 50,000 people had come just in those like two weeks that they were open. And so wow. they were working with like local law enforcement just, you know, make sure everyone's safe. Um, cause there's also, there's a lot of strangers on campus and, you know, these are young, you know, these are 18, 19, 20 year old kids being surrounded by a bunch of strangers. They want to feel safe on campus. And I mean, you know, I, when I was on a student, you know, we would have these big days where people would come and visit campus. And even I would be like, oh, there's a lot of people here that I don't know. And like, you do kind of get this, this nervousness. And so I think they were listening to students too, who were saying like, we're happy about this. We love this, but we also want to 
feel safe walking our campus and like not having to like interact with strangers. But they, did they really emphasize the safety issue? I mean, I get the numbers issue. Like, like just from mm-hmm. a sheer, that last Saturday before they announced on Sunday, hey, we're bringing this to a close. There was reportedly 15,000 people that showed up. 15,000 mm-hmm. people on this little tiny campus in this little tiny town. It's just overwhelming. And then the next day they make this announcement. That makes logistical sense to me i think it's both no public statement talked about safety like so but you've mentioned that quite a bit and i'm just wondering did they actually really emphasize that to you the students i when i talked with students they did say like it wasn't that they felt unsafe it was just that it was i think it was the overwhelming there's strangers here we don't know we hope that they're all here for good reasons but i mean there were a few people that did get like taken off campus because they were kind of bad faith actors and so um mm-hmm. i think it i it, that stuck out to me that they had talked about safety interesting yeah. and, and i i can see that too i mean because at larosa level i mean i mean relevant was covering it since the outset but i mean it, it was in the new york times this past week you mm-hmm. know like um yeah i i and look i i think you know i i don't know all the logistical behind the scenes but i'm like look i i feel like you know, there's no reason not to trust the students and administration, you know, and also just like the move of God, like, you know, God isn't bound by place, by proximity, right? Like just because like maybe these actual in-person events are are no longer happening at this specific place doesn't mean that whatever, you know, these students are are kind of seeking or what, what God is wanting to do in, in you know, right now you know, is ceased. It's just, like I said, he's, he's never been bound by, by location or proximity. And, you know, I, I honestly, I think there's a degree of like, you know, I think it's somewhat admirable to, 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 and, and it's a humbling thing to be like, Hey, this was awesome. And we've gotten a lot of attention to it, but they hold that attention so loosely that they're willing to kind of stop in person meetings and let other people kind of carry the torch. I think that's, I mean, Compared to like some other, you know, church aligned institutions that like, you know, not like seek credit for stuff, but seek exposure for stuff. This seems like a different approach. And I think that's it's to some degree kind of refreshing, you know? Yeah. And, and what's so what's interesting is, again, the charismatic to Baptist comparison is, you know, the old mindset was. Oh, God's moving at that place, you know, Toronto or Brownsville or Lakeland or whatever. I got to go see it. I got to experience it. I got to go. And so when you heard about Asbury, it's like, that was the impetus. Go show up. I want to see it for myself. And Asbury said, no, thank you. Go away. And now people don't have the option of showing up. So what are they doing? They heard that God was doing something in students. So what are students at Texas A&M doing? They're gathering in the quad by themselves and praying and worshiping and it's attracting more students and they're meeting every Monday night. And then it's like thousands of kids showing up now and like God's moving and it's like, they don't have anywhere to go. So they're, they're just, but they heard about it. So they're just meeting where they are and God's showing up there. It's such an interesting decentralization of things happening now that isn't, how it was maybe 20 years ago, 10 years ago yeah. with stuff like this. And, and it's truly happening. Like it really, and the, the thing that's unique about this is like right after Asbury, you saw some other Christian college leadership kind of going, you know, tweeting, Oh, God's moving on our campus too. And it was almost like, 
I felt almost like a little competitive, you know, like it's not just Asbury. Our, <laughs> our campus also is having meetings, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, come on, you can't force this. What's unique, what's happening now is that it's student led and feels very yeah. organic and it's not being organized by anybody. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting that when Asbury announced, hey, we're wrapping up public services. Uh, we'll let you know we're going to move them off or they're going to move off campus and we'll let you know details. They never announced details. There was never a secession plan. There was never a formal transition ever. And, and they, I don't think that they planned to just shut it down. I think they planned for somebody to step up and take leadership and then nobody ever did. And so it just stopped. And so I don't, Asbury didn't ask for it. Asbury didn't know how to end it. Asbury didn't know how to get back to normal. They did their best kudos to them. And now it's just like out there and it's popping up on all these college campuses yeah. and it's awesome to see. And we're hearing reports every day of the, it hitting new, new schools. And it's like so exciting. It's organic. And, 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 yeah. Because it's not associated with one person right. or one institution or one ministry or right. one personality or one brand. Right. You know what I mean? And, like, and, and, it, and, it is, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. The, the, the people who are trying go. to co-opt it, and I'm sorry, but rent arenas and make their name part of this are the ones that it's not really clicking. It's yeah. the, you know what I mean? It's the ones that have no names associated that is like organically happening. And then those, those campus, you know, presidents that are being like, oh, look at our campus. It's just like, we can tell you're faking it or you're forcing well, so this. What's interesting too is like with these campuses this week that have like shared that there's um, these outpourings happening um none of the reports are coming from like the official baylor right. twitter account like it's all students right. and that was something that all students um as well with asbury asbury did not post on social media what was right. happening like the day that it started um they intentionally did not promote it on social media versus like you said these other schools who they were tweeting from like their official accounts like oh we're also having this on campus yeah. and so i think that's hey. interesting if you're like a prospective these, student looking for a college next right. fall where God is moving, come check yeah. out our school. Yeah. yeah, Right. And so I think that's what's interesting. And I think important to note about the ones that are happening this week is like, this is not a school sponsored event yeah. that they put on. It really is like someone showed up and there was already like a hundred kids there and they just like posted about it on social media. And so. ironic timing that the number three movie in the, country right now is Jesus revolution about the Jesus movement in the seventies, which happened very, very organically as well. And yeah. it's kind of like, maybe this is another Jesus movement happening. It's kind of cool. All right. That and cocaine bear. <laughs> Jesus could not beat out cocaine bear, but we're hoping we're hoping <laughs> next. There's week. always next weekend. There's always, There's next, always weekend. next weekend. Yeah. Hopefully we can get another Christian movie to release when meth gator comes out the, the same weekend. <laughs> we just kind of, counter program every well, here's, but here's an idea what if meth gator is secretly a christian movie what if we have like that's how we get the butts in the seats here okay okay like have have some sort of like you know twist you know maybe meth gator attacks a church or something and 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 the congregants come together 
and it's some sort of spiritual metaphor. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the screenwriter. I'm just saying we just got one. You're with too Jesus wrapped in up in your 2002 Yellowstone project. You don't, you don't. You haven't put enough time. I'm writing in a meth gator, yeah. by yeah. the way, even though they're not indigenous <laughs> to the to the to the ranch. Yeah, maybe. maybe Where are meth gators indigenous? Oh, Florida. Just kidding. I answered my own question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> meth gator alley. I mean, you got to stay down. Stay off that road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they fall out of the trees in South Florida. All right. Uh, what else you got, Emily? Um, I want to talk about this really interesting Pew report that came out uh, that essentially found that two thirds of men in their 20s are single, but two thirds of women are not. So there are significantly more men in their 20s that are single versus women. Okay, so a little context. So Pew did this study on the dating habits of people under 30. So like 18 to 30 year olds, which is our direct audience. So Emily brought me this stat and didn't tell me that it was under 30. She said, I thought (laughs) she said to me that two thirds of men are single and two thirds of women are in a relationship. And I was like, Emily, population wise, that's impossible. You know, like that, like that's not possible. And we had a 30 minute conversation where I was trying to explain the math to her that demographically well, and that's I impossible. was explaining the math to him. <laughs> and I, I gotta be honest, I, I heard it first, right? The first time, and I'm still unclear on the math. Okay, Say but here's the, okay, so then when she said young adults, oh, under 30, that changes everything because here's the only conclusion to the math, Jesse. Yeah, because I don't want to just presume, but lay out what I'm probably thinking. Younger women are dating older men. That's what's happening. Women in their 20s are dating men in their 30s. And men in their 20s are not in a relationship. They're just single, doing whatever. I I know Pew, you know, is typically very data-driven in how they present this type of research and, you know, often avoid, you know, the type of analysis that would would let us know what the cause of this is, but they, or but no, sometimes did. what they'll do, they, 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 they did because sometimes yeah. there's like correlative data stats. Yeah, you know what I mean. Down. Where it's like, but young men are more likely to. I, I'm not. I'm. I don't want to. No, like, she she can tell you like it's gamers or something like that. But but if they're but if if young men are more at that age these days more inclined to take up hobbies that are you know socially isolating or something. I don't know. But Emily, what, what how does it break it down? What is the cause of this? You're yes. you're right. I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, a lot of it, it's so. I mean, there's a lot of factors. Obviously, like there's not just one solution to it. But um, it, it did say that um, there are a lot of young men who are um, playing video games, watching a lot of porn, or just like spending a lot of time on social media, and so they're getting that connection that way, and so they're not seeking it elsewhere. Versus women who are wanting that, and they are going to older men because these younger guys. Are just not wanting to meet those hmm. those like same needs, and so they're going. Literally, older men. these guys are happy playing their video games, watching their porn, and checking TikTok, and they don't need real life relationships. And that that's crazy. Like their brains they're, have been rewired to satisfy yeah. the thing that relationships normally would satisfy digitally. Is is this relatively unprecedented from like that demographic? disparity between singleness and relationships that indicate that in the study like it, it, or is this or is this like different generations have their own version of this or or is this something that's unique you know you know i didn't break it down in that but just from 
what I, I I feel like because a lot of the reasons why men are not seeing relationship is essentially because of technology. I feel like there has to be something unique about this generation or this like time that we're in. Well, cause we've yeah. seen for a while generationally that like the day, the age of marriage has been getting older, right. you know, like things like that. And that's yeah. because like more women are working and pursuing career. They're not just, you know, staying home, having kids, things like that. But this specific thing where two thirds of guys under 30 are single and two thirds yeah. of women under 30 are in relationships is a different dynamic than that. Um, and it's that guys are in their room on screens while yeah. girls are out having dinner with mature men. So, yeah, yeah, oh. it's interesting. Well, yeah. at least older men. Why we don't know their maturity level. That's yeah. true. Great that point, is true. Jesse. Yeah. You know Great what I mean? Point. <laughs> I guess yeah. that means I mean, in like five, ten years, there's gonna be a bunch of gray hair at the preschool pickup line. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Um. Yeah, I did actually have one more thing. Uh, this past weekend, Naomi Rain and Taya were together on the Faith and Friends concert series on Fox. Um, they're promoting a new tour that they're doing, but they did a mashup of uh, Oceans and Gyra, which, oh, wow. you know, already two powerful songs. And then you put them together and they're pretty great. Here's a clip. There you go. Well, we posted that and everything else and a lot more over at relevantmagazine.com. Make it part of your daily browsing. We're covering the intersection of faith, culture, and a bunch of weird stuff and life and just a lot of things you'd be interested in reading. All the you things. Know. Uber, Uber etiquette. Uber etiquette. Guidelines. Yep. Just, um, we pitch random show ideas. We find weird pictures of like denim and we just post you it. You say random, but when... Lifehouse hanging by a moment starts playing and the sun rises over those mountains. You're going to be like, I, I get it. I get it. 2001 Yellowstone, man. It's wow. Really hitting all the notes. You know, people are going to love it. All right. Call me up, Sheridan. Stay tuned. Up next, Wood Harris joins us. You're listening to Common Goldfish. The song is Low Lights and Throwback Tunes. It's my house every night. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. 
where our guest today is Wood Harris. He's an actor best known for iconic roles like uh, Avon Barksdale and HBO's The Wire, Julius Campbell and Remember the Titans, and Duke Burton in the Creed franchise. He sat down with Emily to discuss his career and the deeper message in the new Creed 3 film, which comes out today. Here's our conversation with Wood Harris. You've been a part of so many just impressive projects. So I'd really love to know um, what draws you to roles and specifically what drew you to this role in Creed 10 years ago? Um, Creed was like sort of just dropped on me. Uh, I got the chance to meet Ryan Coogler. He just wanted me to do a role. Um, he had things in mind for the role for Creed 1. And um, once you meet Ryan, you know, Ryan's such a great person. There's no way you want, you, you want to work with. He's a smart, young um, very ambitious and driven person. And so um, it was easy to do. Um, I didn't know it would turn into a franchise like it is. I'm not sure they they knew it would. I think they thought it would. But now that it is, of course, now we're experiencing it. So, yeah. So this, this particular role was just sort of dropped on me and Ryan Coogler and I met and had lunch. And next thing you know, we were on the set. You see that man right there? Do you remember him? Hey, hey. No friends in the industry. I had to draw the between my brothers and my enemies. Um, you know, you've gotten to work with different directors on each movie. What was it like working with Michael? Because before you'd worked as an actor, but now as a director, what was that dynamic like? Oh, man, it was great. You know, I spent a lot of time really just paying attention to his demeanor and the way he controlled the set or or uh, what's a better word than control, but he obviously he had to control the set and make sure that the temperament of the set was one way, right? So on a movie set, you know, let's say you have a director that's boisterous and use a lot of profanity and things like that, right? The set will take on that energy. If you have a director that's more quiet or, you know, thoughtful, you can, you can feel that, right? So Mike, Mike's energy was de definitely, everybody was very focused. Everybody was there to make sure that this came to be the best for Mike. So when I was watching him, you know, it's, it's just great to watch him. I've seen him, known him for 20 years. And uh, I mean, it's been great for me just to see his evolution as a person and his artistic evolution with directing as a directing, as a director, being his first film. I mean, it's pretty awesome. You know, I. It's just awesome. I mean, it's, sur it's surreal in some ways, you know, because I mean, I've just known I've known him since he was a teenager, like a kid, 15. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of that is in there, you know, where it's just like it's a surreal moment. You out there boxing. I need you to start fighting. It's interesting because I feel like your character, you don't necessarily get into the ring, but you can tell just in his body language even that like he's feeling that tension and like that emotional tension. Um, how do you like approach a scene that is like really emotional? Like I think about like the fight scene at the end, you're like in his face speaking in love, but truth. Like how do you approach that scene? That particular scene, I, I, you just have to be really um, connected to 
like the actor across from number one. You have to be connected to them so that you can um, honestly and truthfully listen and they, to, to what they're what, to what they're giving you, right? And um, it, it might just be energy they give you. They could be giving you um, expressions. It's not always words and otherwise. And once you're connected at that point, the script dictates, you know, how your uh, how, what you're going to say. But once you connect, it's kind of like emotionally with the person across from you, the words are carried on the emotion like a wave in a sense. So, you know, how I feel about Mike in those moments are genuine because of it, it was it was the task at hand, basically. But it's genuinely felt. And part of that is the chemistry, you know, and also wanting this to be an, a, a, a big achievement, the film itself, since since my boy directed it. You know what I mean? And since he's starring in it. And that's tough. Directing and starring in an epic film. I can't name too many actors in that position. You know, and it's the trilogy. It's the third one. Of, mm -hmm. That's a very, like, challenging. And so, you know, I think everyone there really supported, supported Mike. And even in my acting, it's the same kind of thing. You know, it's to support Adonis. Hey, hey, what you doing, man? I know what you're doing, Donnie. You don't owe this to do nothing. As you were watching Michael like direct, was there anything about his directing style that maybe like surprised you or um, that you just maybe saw a different side of him? Yeah, um, it showed me how Mike is very, what's the word, man? He's, he's extremely focused, like extremely focused very thought like thinking 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 all the time and like the, like it's it's tough to make a film as the actor because you know if you're the lead in a film you're going to be on the set for 12 hours every day which is half your life so if you, if you shoot a movie for six months you just spent three a month three of those on the set now when you're the director you're never leaving Right, because you got to leave. You never, you never. Tomorrow you got to shoot it. You might not be in the scene, but you're going to be on the set for 13, 14 hours. Then you got to go to an editing room. So, I think Mike was sleeping in like a like an ice box in order to <laughs> recoup his body. And, and I mean, it was just a lot of hard work. And I watched his engine go and not stop. You know, it didn't break down. You know, he stayed. And the temperament of the set, like I told you, which is dictated by the energy of the director, for the most part, maintain that, that sense, right? Um, he just showed me how hard a worker he is. He's extremely hard work, extremely hard work. Take all your fear. Take all the guilt. Let go of whatever was and walk into what is. I feel those chains are breaking, yeah. That was Wood Harris. Make sure to check out Creed 3. It's out now. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. i 
connect the voice inflections, give directions, but when I listen, inhibitions. You're listening to Lecrae and D Smoke. The song is Can You Hear Me Now? Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus' growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus' message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. Okay, it's time for your feedback. All right, last week we got talking about... Were we, why were we talking about infomercials? I, I can't remember. I just remember an extended discussion <laughs> of getting sucked into them, particularly one with the salsa maker, which I was convinced was some sort of like new modern family spinoff for the first like 10 minutes. <laughs> and then you realize... Because they're all the in the kitchen. Situation. Having a great... Con- yeah, and, and, and other neighbors party. would come in... Yeah. Yeah, other neighbors come in. It's like a, with a tennis racket over the shoulder. And it's like, oh, look, uh, you know, Billy and Mary just showed up with fresh peppers. Let's bring them over. You know, like anyway, I, I love these. This is one of my favorite genres of filmmaking. Oh, my goodness. All right. So we, we asked you guys uh, for your favorite infomercials. It's a dying art form. It's 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 something that. Need we need to protect as a society is the infomercial. Yes. Anyway, so we asked you for your favorite infomercials. You hit us up on Twitter at Roland Podcast. Send us some links, and we're going to play some of our favorites. Well, you know what's funny is actually I'm looking at this very very first one from Aaron Serico, and I I didn't even read it, and it's for a plans direct, and I'm like. I thought that was a local thing here in Orlando. And then Wacky he said, Nunu. Yeah. And he said, um, not quite an infomercial. So when I remember, he says, but I remember when I was in Orlando, Appliance Direct bought huge blocks of TV airtime to run <laughs> marathons and commercials for their store. And it's absolutely true. It was like this weird, like, like hours, hours of television was for this weird appliance store. And it was, the, <laughs> you've seen it, Jesse. Well, let me break it down for a little bit because it, it I haven't I haven't seen or even thought about Appliance Direct in well over a decade. But you know the difference was like a lot of infomercials are really focused on displaying the functionality and versatility of a product in interesting ways, right? Like that's pretty much the secret sauce. Can you keep someone entertained by showing how much this product does and how much it will change your life? It, that was not appliance direct approach. <laughs> they were it was a husband and wife and they would walk up to an appliance and slap it as hard as they can and tell you what the price was and then inform you that that price was wacky new new. And because it was so they would use that word remember that it was Dude. That was the whole strategy. I'm gonna, they're going to walk through their store and just and it was slap like random appliances quick, quick and tell cuts. you how cheap it is. It was quick cuts. <laughs> and it was like, she always had a leg brace on. And he he was like a small, older Asian man. And she was like a 33-year-old white she woman. Looked like Steve, she looked like Steve, Irwin, uh, Terry Irwin. Like yeah, Crocodile Terry Hunter Irwin family. with a big... She looked a lot like Terry Irwin. <laughs> wearing lime green and a big old mm-hmm. knee, knee brace. And she would like hobble around their warehouse showroom and literally yes. would just walk up to an appliance and be like you why why pay more buy direct and then it I would like know. quick cut to her and she'd be somewhere else in the store and go why pay more for this we just got this in 
And then she'd slap it. And then it would like, he'd be somewhere else. And you were so mesmerized. You sit there for two hours watching this stuff. It was crazy. It really, it, it worked. It was effective. Now I don't, I've never been to an appliance direct and I don't even know where one was located. Um, but I'm I'll more curious about why she, she had a permanent air cast. Like it wasn't like she had like, you know, like some sort of foot, no. injury that that you would yeah, she's where it was like the rest of her life it was like an air like a temporary air cast yeah either she was re-injuring that <laughs> foot or they recorded for 24 hours straight and just chopped it up and played it in perpetuity for like, 20 it years was, it's only one of those two she has really bad luck with dropping things on her right foot or <laughs> they recorded these over a marathon session and i don't know which one seems more is more plausible i did go to an appliance direct once because of the commercials uh, yeah. it was basically a scratch and dent store, you know, and, uh, I bought one of the fridges for one of our old offices at appliance direct, uh, got a great deal. I did not pay more. I bought direct. Um, they delivered it the next day. It was great. Uh, no knee, bro- knee no knee braces were involved. Did she deliver it in the, in the air cast? She had like the hand truck and she's limping up to the, the office with a new refrigerator. But she's like, get, hey, this wacky new new can't believe you pulled the trigger. The, the trick with appliance direct is you got to walk around the warehouse looking for the scratch and dent thing that doesn't look scratched and dented. You know what I mean? Where it's like on the side or something. It's like, oh, I got a good, well, I got a good scratch they, and dent. You know? They're slapping the heck out of them in the commercial. So I'm surprised the whole store yeah. doesn't have big hand shaped dents yeah. in the stainless yeah. steel. All right, let's get to the feedback. All right, there's some uh, actual infomercials here that you guys sent in. All right, I want to address uh, (laughs) the the slap chop commercial. Um, the, the The product again is some sort of like salsa maker. It it is it is a device that chops up vegetables by hand. There's no motor. Okay, you you got to chop. You got to slap it. It's called slap chop for a reason. All right, because if you want the vegetables, let's play a clip. Let's play a clip. Let's play a clip. Here it is. Hi, it's Fitz with Slap Chop. You're gonna be in a great mood all day because you're gonna be slapping your troubles away with the Slap Chop. Now look, here's a potato. One slap, you got big chunks for stews. Two slaps, whole fries in a second. And look at this, but you add a mushroom, the more you do it, the finer it gets, you don't have to switch any blades. Now, you love salad, you hate making it. You know you hate making salads, that's why you don't have any salad in your diet. Watch this, one slap, salad. I love pizza too, but once in a while, get the veggies in. At least throw it on top of the pizza. You're gonna change your eating habits. Soup, coleslaw, stuff in one, five seconds. Okay, at what does anyone feel like like this is That's he's threatening amazing. you into buying this thing? I am, like I feel yeah. like I would hate for something bad to happen to you, like me to show up at your house and your finger accidentally ends up in the slap chop. You wouldn't want that to happen, now would you? I'd suggest you buying a slap chop because accidents happen all the time. I'm talking all the time I show up and chop people's fingers in the slap chop. Like it is a very aggressive vibe. Like it I feel is. like I'm being bullied into purchasing this device. And you know? it's when you watch it, it's just doing what uh, like a food processor does far more simply i mean like you could just put drop it into like the bullet or whatever and just go and it does it you don't have to sit there and bang it bang it bang it bang it you know i hate for some rat poison is accidentally (laughs) slipping to your salad sometime that'd be a terrible accident you better buy my slap chop (laughs) (laughs) all right let's see oh billy mays all right i know we gotta talk about it that was a really, really hard celebrity death for me. Like I was yeah. young, but I, just, I that was like one of the first ones that I remember. Like, and it was so weird because all he does was infomercials. But he really got me through a lot. He lived that hard infomercial lifestyle. 
I think he. I think it was a party. A I'm party not, foul. I'm not. I. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to presume. No. No. no I, I really think it, it was in Tampa. It was. A, it was. It was local news. Yeah. They. They filmed all Billy those Mays. infomercials in Tampa because that's where QVC is. He and died stuff. from an, a lethal arrhythmia of the heart caused by hypertensive and some word I can't say heart disease. Yeah, called cocaine. I don't yeah. want to besmirch Billy Mays. The man's American hero. I'm not besmirching. I'm not besmirching. All right, play it. All right, what's one of Billy Mays' one? OxyClean? It's got to be OxyClean, yeah. I, OxyClean has become mainstream. I mean, that's not even like an infomercial product anymore. I think post his death, people bought it to like support him. It's amazing. Yeah. Watch how OxyClean unleashes the power of oxygen, making tough stains disappear like magic without fading or bleeding the colors. For pet messes, OxyClean is a must. It goes deep down below the surface to get rid of the stain and the odor. Have you ever spilled chlorine bleach on your colored clothes? Well, OxyClean is tough on stains without the damaging effects of chlorine bleach. If you save one pair of jeans, then OxyClean has paid for itself. Some clothes say no chlorine I don't remember bleach. the club music in the background. That was a nice vibe. Okay, so first of all, just so I don't get sued or people think I'm going to get sued, uh, the medical examiner concluded that, quote, cocaine use caused or contributed to the development of his heart disease and thereby contributed to his death, though he was not on cocaine for a few days prior to his death. So just FYI. OxyClean's the origin story of uh, the Cocaine Bear franchise. I don't know if you knew. He got into the laundry room. That's how Cocaine Bear got started. I, I will say this. Whatever, it doesn't really matter what the product is. They will just find things that it can do. Like, you know, it, it, whatever this sub, whatever the product is, they're, they're just like, well, did you know you could probably shave with it? And You know what I mean? And like, can you? They would just, that was the beauty of like a good infomercial. Like it was clearly a product that had one intention, one intended use, but they just find random things to do yeah, yeah, with I it. Yeah, I have this spray you know? insulation and you can build a boat out of a screen door if you fill the screen door with our spray insulation. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Exactly. The, I'm no good at it. This was a, a, a product you uh, invented for a very singular industrial purpose that we happened to f fall upon the patent of. Did you know that you can probably tar your roof with it? You know what I mean? Like it was, it was that was the strategy. It's mm -hmm. fine, just random things you can do with it. You know? uh, there's the clapper. I mean, that's a classic. Clap on, clap oh, yeah. off the clapper. Play the clip. Presenting a way to make life a lot simpler. The clapper. Turn on a light as you enter the room. Clap on. Turn off the TV without getting up. Clap off. Turn on the music. Just about anything. Simple. Turns things on and turns things off from anywhere in the room. The clapper's easy to use. The the great thing about the 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 clapper one underrated uh, invention too. It was basically like an early Alexa or Siri or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Limited functionality, but the same idea. You know what I mean? I'm not getting up. I'm just gonna instead of shouting, I'm just gonna clap, and some device is gonna do my bidding. Did you ever know anybody you know? who had one? Uh, no, I no, did. I, 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 had, I had one friend who had one, and it's very cool. Was it just lights, or or like the yeah, kid it was, in the, in it, the, was in, it was in lights. He had his he had his bedroom rigged. It was like we were there for a sleepover, and uh, and then he just he did the double clap, and the lights went out, and I was like, oh, okay, that's the coolest thing I've ever experienced. Did you ever like mess with him in the night and just like clap, like repeatedly, just to mess with him? 
No. Okay, well, you wasted a good opportunity because that, that was the purpose of the clapper. You you could have been like watching a movie with him and then just started clapping at the end. Be like, oh, sorry, bro, I didn't know, I didn't know, I, you know. <laughs> the lights just start flickering. But seriously, it's a, it's an early series, or or you know what I mean? Like sa- same idea. I'm surprised they weren't more prominent because it seems like a a, a very useful invention. Uh, Joshua Powers said every Ron Papil product. Uh, Anna Kipps Lawrence says the Life Alert ones. Of course, I fall and I can't get Classic. up. Oh yeah, I quote uh, that the all Ronco the time. food dehydrator. Jake Alger said, uh, <laughs> "We're, we're uh, he, he says just said it, and the studio audience yells, forget it.' Remember those? <laughs> okay, I'm glad. Can I, I? I forgot we were even talking about this today, but I was on. I, I don't know if. It, let me. This is a little aside, but it's going somewhere. Trust me. I don't know if the, you guys experience this. Have your Twitter algorithms got really weird and it, are serving you like you know a lot of like just random shocking content, or is that just like or, fights. or I'm seeing fights yeah, all of a sudden. I'm getting an insane amount of fight videos yeah. and just like outrageous videos in my in my Twitter scrolling. But anyway, I was Twitter. I was scrolling this morning and somebody posted a commercial that was from like the early '90s in New Zealand. That was a seatbelt commercial. Okay. And they're like, I've been looking for the the, the, they, the the tweet was like, I've been looking at this video for years. It starts off as a PSA about wearing seatbelts. It turns into hereditary. I don't know if you guys have seen the <laughs> horror film Hereditary, yeah. but there's a very infamous car accident scene in there. So I, so I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm watching this. And sure enough, it is a family driving, you know, one seat belted, the other not. Okay. That, but it's pleasant. It's just, they get into a head-on collision. Okay. It shows a person fly through the windshield in slow motion and smack onto the wind. Like, remember when Michael hits Meredith? There's that shocking shot of like a body hitting the windshield. And then it reverses and plays the body shooting through the windshield. I mean, absolutely horrific. Like kids are crying. Then you then it fades to black. And you're like, okay, that was intense. I, that was deeply upsetting. Then it fades back in, and they're zipping up the body bag, and with with someone crying over it. And you're like, "Good lord, I get the idea. Let's buckle up here." But this was it was a hard R commercial PSA infomercial thing from the '90s where they just played a little different, even with the fallen and can't get up. I don't want to see. I don't want to see like an elderly person literally on the ground in agony holding their hip you could just tell me a better use uh, another use for the product but that's you know what i'm saying i feel like they they used to be a little bit more comfortable being upsetting on these things i i mean i watched uh, uh, magic games and the, every every game there's a P, local psa for uh don't drive drunk that has a yeah. very similar scene to what you described except a child is involved and her teddy bear flies through the windshield and is laying on the ground with broken glass all around it and at, then at least the they use the discretion at yeah. least they <laughs> at least they left a little to the imagination i didn't need to see the body flying through the air and smacking the windshield like show me a metaphor that's intense you know what i mean give me the give me the teddy bear metaphor that's I'm, all. That, I'm very that's tired of effective. this teddy bear. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. Uh, you can go check them out if you uh, check our mentions at Relevant Podcast on Twitter. Okay. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right. Well, earlier in the show, we got talking about uh, Jesse's uh, passion project, his screenplay for Yellowstone 2002, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> set in the <laughs> early aughts. Uh, yes. The angst the written early aughts. With decorative denim and swooping hair and lots of black Chuck Taylors. And, Abercrombie uh, just everywhere, you know? It's, it's you know, 
What a time to be alive. So it got us thinking about the early 2000s, and it's coming for you. It's coming. It's been 20 years. I mean, some of this stuff's already uh, back. The baggy jeans are back and stuff like that. But it, more and more is coming. I'm just warning you now. Uh, so it got us thinking about what 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 do you not want to see come back from the early 2000s? What's the cringiest early 2000s fads? What could be music, could be fashion, could be, you know, whatever games anything you were into in the early 2000s yeah. that uh you do not want to see come back hit us up uh on twitter at relevant podcast and we will talk about our favorites on next week's show yeah and, and, and give us a little explanation for yeah. example tell us your trend and explain why it is ska or so that's <laughs> that's the assignment send a picture send a clip you you know whatever like show us the full the full experience of the thing you do not want to see come back from the early 2000s yeah if a band is in a zoot suit like let's you that, know, was I'm just, that was the mid 90s that was the mid 90s it creeped I think in it, it went into very early 2000 yeah yeah i kind of feel like 2000 was the end of the ska i mean because it was like swing had a little baby revival in the hipster scene and the yeah around the movie swingers in like 96 98 and then the ska was kind of 96 to 2000 and when then i was just that what when was that Mighty Mighty Boston song? I feel like that was sort the of peak. when when yeah yeah maybe ninety eight. I guess that was late nineties. Yeah, yeah. ninety eight. We had like yeah. the OC Supertones in the Christian scene, and that was like ninety eight. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was it was it was late nineties. Yeah. Either way, close enough. Close enough. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Wood Harris for joining us today. Make sure to catch him in Creed 3, which is in theaters today. Huge movie. We're very excited that he was able to join us. I'm excited to see the film, too. Haven't seen it yet. Um, And uh, before we wrap things up, I want to give you a couple updates. Number one, uh, we're, we're putting the final touches on the spring issue of Relevant. So if you haven't signed up for Relevant Plus yet, go ahead and do it now. It's the best way to experience our content. Um, it's You get an ad-free version of this podcast, an exclusive subscriber podcast. You get ad-free viewing and unlimited viewing at relevantmagazine.com. And you get a beautifully designed ad-free tablet digital magazine every quarter. Uh, right there at relevantmagazine.com. You can find out more information clicking the Relevant Plus tab. Plans start as low as two fifty a month. And uh, I think you like it. We love the sport. Also, if you want to stay in touch with everything we're doing, make sure to follow us on all the socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook every day. We're on Instagram and TikTok as well. Barely on TikTok. Increasingly this year, though. Um, And if you don't want to do the social thing, uh, but you want to keep in touch or keep up with our best content, our top five trending stories can be sent to your inbox every weekday morning. You can sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page uh, at relevantmagazine.com. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. We will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Go see Creed 3. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. 
Think about that era. I feel like it's ripe for parody. Relevant Podcast Network.